Hello, 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 and welcome to the ninth episode of Mixed Media Reviews Season 2. My name is Kelsey, and today I'll be talking about three movies. This week's movies are Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Thor, Love and Thunder, and Morpheus. You may be asking why I'm doing three movies. Well, that's because I watched them all. (laughs) Uh, And I also feel like they're all fairly different approaches at the same type of superhero movie genre. Uh, They have some pretty interesting review ranges as well, and so I kind of wanted to discuss maybe how they did things right, or maybe how they did things wrong. But mostly right, (laughs) I think. Um, And while I still do want to do a little bit of the what I liked slash critique format, I mostly want to just talk about how all three of these movies approach the superhero movie, and try to perhaps approach it in a different way. This episode won't contain too many spoilers, and I'll be trying to keep it pretty vague. I will, though, towards the end, talk about the ending to Thor, but I'll preface it with a spoiler warning for those who don't want to hear it. First up, let's summarize these three movies. The following are the summaries from Rotten Tomatoes, because that's my go-to now, I guess. For Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, it is... Journey into the unknown with Doctor Strange, who, with the help of mystical allies with both old and new, traverses the mind-bending and dangerous alternate realities of the multiverse to confront a mysterious new adversary. Thor Love and Thunder finds Thor on a journey unlike anything he's ever faced, a quest for inner peace. But his retirement is interrupted by a galactic killer known as Gore the God Butcher who seeks the extinction of the gods. To combat the threat, Thor enlists the help of King Valkyrie, Korg, and his ex-girlfriend, Jane Foster, who, to Thor's surprise, inexplicably wields his magical hammer, Mjolnir, as the mighty Thor. Together, they embark upon a harrowing cosmic adventure to uncover the mystery of the God Butcher's vengeance and stop him before it's too late. For Morbius, it is the following. Dangerously ill with a rare blood disorder and determined to save others suffering his same fate, Dr. Morbius attempts a desperate gamble. While at first it seems to be a radical success, a darkness inside him is unleashed. Will good override evil, or will Morbius succumb to his mysterious new urges? Some of those were hard to say, the words. Um, (laughs) Anyway, ratings-wise, Doctor Strange scored the highest with both critics and audience ratings. Critics gave it a 74%, and the audience gave it an 85%. Thor got a 64% critic rating with a 77% audience rating. And while Morbius got a whopping 15% critic rating, a splat, if you will, uh, the audience gave it a 71% rating, with the largest difference between critic and audience, for sure. All three of these movies are, of course, about Marvel characters. While the two MCU movies are relying more heavily on an established universe with established characters, Morbius is attempting to introduce us to a relatively new world with just a little bit of reference to the other Sony movies, uh, like Venom reference from the San Francisco thing that they mention, um, as well as some other references to X-Men and Spider-Man. Two of these movies, Doctor Strange and Morbius, tried to do a darker film and focused on more of a horror vibe than Thor's more bright and cheery tone. While Doctor Strange and Morbius both are a darker film, Morbius seems to take more cues from the DC films and is relatively dark overall. 
Even the scenes that are in brighter spaces still have a dim quality to them. Doctor Strange, on the other hand, does a great job of balancing dark and light scenes, with much more of a range between the brightest scenes and the darkest ones. Much like we've grown accustomed to in the MCU, Marvel kind of understands how to create darkness while still having brighter scenes, and we see that very much on point, very much on the forefront uh, of Doctor Strange's cinematography. And of course, Thor is a very bright and colorful film. As we have seen, Ragnarok and Taika Waititi establish this brighter, more colorful, and a bit 80s vibe to the Thor universe. I actually thought all three of these movies did really well with, you know, what they were setting out to do. I was a bit disappointed that Doctor Strange uh, was not as horror-y, <laughs> didn't have as many horror elements as I was expecting. Um, but perhaps that is more on me than it is the movie itself, because I was under the impression that it was a horror kind of more movie. Um, but maybe people just meant it was more horror than a standard Marvel instead of, you know, a movie that was just more horror-like. Uh, but I think that the elements that they did have that were that horror tone, uh, which is really hard to say, horror all the time, um, I think they did really well with those elements. So I was impressed with that part. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness uses both established characters and new characters to tell its story, from the Cthulhu-like creature in the opening of the movie to the jump scares later on from the villain. And if you know what scene I'm talking about, then you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I think they did a horror light kind of a film, which I think fits with Doctor Strange's story in general. He deals with, you know, demons and creatures from other universes. He is this great sorcerer that can easily be uh, be placed within these horror stories. I liked the break from the normal superhero movie we got, especially the one that the MCU has kind of grown to represent, and that we get this new take on what a superhero movie could be. The new Disney Plus shows, I think, are doing a great job of feeling different based on the, you know, the characters who are in it, with WandaVision, Loki, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Hawkeye, She-Hulk. They all kind of have different vibes to them. Um, at least they're not all the same vibe, especially She-Hulk with the breaking of the fourth wall, which is true to the She-Hulk character. And it's kind of more of a silly vibe as well. Um, WandaVision also started out with more of a silly kind of vibe with the TV show stuff. Loki has more of a fantastical kind of element, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, as well as even Hawkeye had more of a realistic element to, to them that we didn't necessarily get in really any of the other uh, Disney shows that we've seen. So I liked that each show felt true to their characters and the stories that they were trying to tell. And Doctor Strange is a great way to capitalize on changing the tone of the movie to match the character instead of changing the character to match the tone. DC films always have the same tone, and that's just dark, really. Um, doesn't really matter who the characters are, what the story is, it's always just really, really dark. Marvel was beginning to do this as well, but with a lighter tone instead, so kind of the opposite direction where, you know, first with Guardians of the Galaxy and then later with Thor Ragnarok, all of the movies kind of were starting to get that feel to them. The brightly colored, the more jokey, the more lighthearted tone. And while the Avengers movie hadn't quite morphed into as light and colorful movies um, with Endgame, 
and whatever the other one was called. Um, it still picked up some of those elements to the point where they were almost losing some of its seriousness. Which, I mean, I love the movies for sure. I'm not trying to put them down necessarily. But they were getting closer to that campy area than I thought was necessary. Um, and it did kind of feel like for a while that every Marvel movie that was coming out kind of still had a lot of the same tone to it. Um, so Doctor Strange showed us that they can still, you know, have these same characters in them, but be able to change the tone of the movie to reflect what's actually going on. And I really liked that. I even liked the villain in Doctor Strange and was really glad that I never got it spoiled. I think it worked really well and it added a lot of that horror vibe to it. It made the movie that much darker without having to try as hard to make it look darker because of who the villain was and because of what that meant. Uh, I really, really liked it. And I think it makes sense and it's true to this character's arc as well. <laughs> um, and I thought, I thought they did a great job. Um, Morbius follows more what Sony had done rather than the path that the MCU has carved, feeling very different from these superhero films we've been inundated with for the past decade or so. Literally the first thing I wrote down in my notes for this movie was, it does not feel like a superhero movie. Um, and again, Morbius isn't really a superhero anyway, so this fits really well with the story they're trying to tell. Much like Venom before him, he's an anti-hero. Though I guess sometimes Venom is also just like a legit villain as well. Um, but it's a it's a darker take and it's not a, you know, a light superhero. This isn't Captain America who is, you know, the beacon of good. This is a character who has a lot of dark and light, you know? So this movie tends to be a bit more darker than even Doctor Strange was to capitalize more on that dark versus light, good versus evil kind of back and forth that Morbius himself is wrestling with. It even had more horror elements than Doctor Strange did, with plenty of jump scares and by really playing up the vampire monsters in the movie. It can even be rightfully compared with that dark, gritty feel of the Blade movies, which would be, you know, great to incorporate into this Sony slash Marvel movie, though that may be unlikely with the new Blade movie coming out under the Marvel umbrella. Um, but like I mentioned before, we got call-outs to the X-Men and Spider-Man uh, universes, which are of course Sony properties. So that was really nice to feel like it is still connected with these other movies, even though that's not something that we really saw. It was kind of, you know, more a standalone, but with elements that we could say, hey, I can place this universe. I think Morbius does really well creating this dark world, making a mostly dark film actually work, unlike, you know, the DC movies. Am I just a little too upset about DC movies? Probably. But like, it's every movie that's just so dark that I can't even like tell what's happening. It's like that episode of Game of Thrones. Like, why? Why are you making it so dark that I literally have to like play with the lightness on my screen in order to see anything that's happening? Sorry. Anyway, uh, rant aside, I think Morbius excels where many DC movies fail, having a dark movie that isn't too dark. And having scenes that are supposed to be brighter, whether outside or even in a hospital room, appear to be brighter without them being super bright or too dark like DC movies would be. Thor, on the other hand, has a completely different vibe from both Doctor Strange and Morbius, which again makes sense for this story. 
Love and Thunder has been criticized for being too lighthearted, but people seem to not be realizing that it's actually Korg telling the story of Love and Thunder. The movie itself is Korg's storytelling. He literally is narrating this film. You can even see and scene with him sitting down and narrating the story. This is why the biggest things that happen in this movie still tend to have a bit more serious to them. Because Korg can only make so much seem lighthearted. The brightness of the scenes, of the wardrobes, the constant jokes, the over-the-top opening of Thor coming in and saving the day, it's all from Korg's perspective. While based on true events, you can still tell it's an embellished one for sure. The first two Thor movies had no narrator. It was just telling the story as it was, while Ragnarok was told from Thor's perspective. Therefore, it too is over the top and has a much brighter tone, as Thor is telling the story to the Asgardian refugees. While it has serious moments, the overall story is still more silly and fun. Korg's retelling of Love and Thunder is the same. A spoiler warning incoming for the end of the movie right now. (laughs) Giving you some time to click away. Okay, so right before the very big battle at the end, we see Korg's story take a more serious tone. When Thor is at Jane's bedside in the hospital and he's telling her that he loves her, that he doesn't want her to pick up the hammer again because it will kill her and he's, you know, he's ready to take a chance with her and he's not ready to lose that chance of them being together. And while his armor is still his colorful and bright armor, the camera is more focused on his face. The lighting in the room is a little dimmer, his armor is more in shadow, and the hospital room is more drab, because this scene is told closer to what happened, with much less embellishment, because what happened is more momentous. And then right after this, we get back to a brighter scene with more levity. Then when the story calls for it again, we see another darker moment when Jane's dying at the center of the universe. While still a very bright scene, as they're in this you know, gorgeous, otherworldly, bright place, there is still a more uh, serious tone to this scene than we've seen before, right? That's more normal for this movie. Thor's speech is more serious, less 80s action hero, over-the-top kind of a voice. And the music isn't like the rock we've been hearing. It's light and emotional. It's gentle. And as Thor turns to spend his last moments with Jane, Korg continues with the serious tone reciting that Thor was choosing love. He's not quick and urgent, but soft and gentle as he lifts Jane up to hold her, as he chooses love. People may not like this movie because they think it's too overdone, but I think it has a great balance. A great balance when it needs to have those serious moments to slow down and take the time to do so. That ending to the final battle is such a touching moment, and it's such an emotional scene, And we can tell the difference between this scene, where they take the time to let us feel it, and the scene at the end of Ragnarok that has a pretty much equal kind of emotional toll. But in Ragnarok, instead of letting us hold the moment, they undercut it with a joke, which Ragnarok gets criticism for. Um, But that was because Thor was telling this to his people, to those refugees on the ship. He didn't want to focus on the death of their home, but on the brightness of their shared future. He wanted to focus on the hope 
of their survival, which is why they undercut that scene with a joke. Compare that to Korg's wish of wanting to share the story of the great Thor. To focus on those moments where he does choose love is important. It's important to his story, and it's important when sharing the story of love and thunder. Hence the title. All three of these movies, I think, did a great job of accomplishing the goals that they set out to accomplish. Whether it was using more horror elements or understanding when to create a serious moment. Now I'm just going to talk about some random things, uh, things that I liked or some things that I wasn't a fan of in these three movies. Overall, I really liked Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, I apparently didn't write notes for this movie while I watched it, but I do have a note in my phone that it doesn't say what I was writing it about. It's literally just a note that says, love who the villain is. I'm also surprised I never found out, (laughs) which is obviously Doctor Strange but I didn't write anything else. (laughs) Um, I do like that we saw more of Dr. Christine Palmer, uh, played by Rachel McAdams. I loved seeing her and uh, the different versions of her. And I also liked hopping from universe to universe and how we got to see kind of how these different worlds looked. And I really liked the introduction of America Chavez's character. I obviously liked the horror aspects like I've been talking about this whole time, and I honestly can't really think of anything that I didn't like in these movies, at least not anything major. Jared Leto aside, I thought Morbius actually did pretty well. I especially liked how they showed his powers with that kind of like misty look, uh, like how he would like jump from place to place and it was like this weird mist that would like follow him. That was super cool looking. And for the most part, again, aside from Jared Leto, I didn't have a lot of problems with the film overall. Also, as a side note, I love Matt Smith, and there's a point where someone asks him what his pain level is from like a 1 to a 10, and he says 11. And I loved it so much, even though I don't think it was like supposed to be a nod to him being the doctor, but like I took that one away anyway, because once a doctor, always the doctor, and the number 11 will always be tied to him. Um, I for sure did not like that Jared Leto was in the film at all. Um, As I've heard, he's not a great person in real life, and I honestly just don't understand why we keep putting up with jerks. Like, just don't hire him. I don't care. There's other people who can do that, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other people who could have played this character that literally never has been played, like, by anyone, I don't think. Um, And we could have survived without him, but whatever. Um... I also think that some of the lines were a bit cheesy. Uh, Like there's one scene where he's like holding a dude's hand and he's like, did you know there's 27 bones in the hand? And then like proceeds to break them. And like that's been done. (laughs) Find new lines, Morbius. Get it together. Um, I think there's also like, I guess there was a little bit of chemistry between Leto's character and Martine Bancroft, uh, played by... Adria Arjona. I don't know if I'm saying her name right. Sorry. Um, there was sort of some chemistry and I could totally understand on the actress's part if it was uncomfortable for her to play a love interest to him. But then they like suddenly kiss and it felt like it was out of nowhere and I was really confused. Um, there's obviously like there's supposed to be like tension between them, but then there's no lead up to the kiss. Like I think she was just like, oh, Dracula is romantic and then he's like, come here, and then kisses her. 
and it was really weird and just, it felt odd. Um, but whatever. Uh, there's also, I thought like Matt Smith's character was not named Milo. He had a different name and then Morpheus called him that for reasons I won't get into, but I'm sure you know if you've seen it. Um, but then also everybody else just calls him Milo. Like, did he change his name to the nickname that he, Morpheus, Morpheus, Morbius gave him as a kid? Like, I'm really confused about it and I don't know why he was like named Milo. I mean, I know why he called him Milo at first, and I could see how the nickname would get stuck, but why are other characters just calling him Milo? It was weird, but whatever. When my husband and I walked out of the theater uh, after watching Love and Thunder, he (laughs) knew immediately what my favorite part was and proceeded to tell me, and he was 100% correct because that was the bow god, obviously. Was it going to be anything else? No. Because that was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my entire freaking life. Like, why isn't there merch of the little bow bun sitting in this little spoon, like, everywhere? That should be the only, like, maybe not the only thing, but they should be marketing the heck out of that. Because that's, like, the new baby Yoda. Like, everybody will be buying that. (laughs) They need to come out with it now. Okay? I need it in my life. Because it was so freaking cute. Um, and honestly like the best thing of the entire movie which is saying something because I really liked the entire movie Um, my second favorite part was the goats of course Um, I laughed way too hard every single every single time you guys like I'm glad there weren't a lot of people in the theater because I probably did that thing where you accidentally like yell laugh because you're trying to hold back but then like it just forces itself out of you in a very like forceful violent way um because they're hilarious. And even my husband said that they were, they did like the perfect amount where it was still funny and it didn't get annoying. Like they didn't overdo it. Because it happened a few times with these stupid goats. And I loved it every single time. And I genuinely loved this entire movie from Jane Foster's ridiculous attempts at catchphrases to the cute little uh, friendship that her and the Valkyrie were forming to, you know, the parts I mentioned earlier to the goats and the bow bun. Um, all that was good. Loved Russell Crowe. Loved Christian Bale. I just really loved everything. <laughs> I loved that movie so much. Honestly, I think I'd recommend probably all of these movies. Uh, is Morbius the best movie? No. But was it better than most, if not all, of the DC films? Yes. Also, I think Doctor Strange and Thor are probably on the upper end of the MCU films, and I'm still super excited about everything upcoming Marvel, you guys. I'm here for it. I will always be here for it. And there you have it. Those are my thoughts on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Thor, Love and Thunder, and Morbius. Thank you so much for joining me. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Mixed Media Reviews Podcast. Please leave me a comment to let me know if you agreed or if you have any suggestions. You can also find me anywhere you find your podcasts, probably. Please join me next week where I will be talking about a few of the series I've been reading. That would be the Lunar Chronicles Crave, and the Murderbot Diaries. Next week, uh, next Friday, I will actually be leaving to Ireland uh, for my honeymoon, which is nuts. I can't believe it's already coming up. So I'm hopefully going to be able to record a few episodes in advance, but I should be able to schedule them and hopefully you will 
not be aware that anything is changing. Uh, <laughs> have a wonderful rest of the day. Bye.